Barbara Rainey wants to influence your thinking about how you commemorate and celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. I want to give you four suggestions, ways that you might begin to make Easter a more important holiday for you and your family. And I would hope and pray that perhaps you would influence others, maybe even your church, to find ways to celebrate Easter in a more meaningful way. Welcome to Ever Thine Home with Barbara Rainey, a podcast dedicated to helping you experience God in your home. Thanks for listening. You know, through the centuries, Easter has been celebrated in a variety of ways. If you'd been alive in medieval Europe, say in the 14th century, it's very possible that an Easter service would have included a hymn similar to this one. It was likely in a language you didn't understand, and it sounded somber, transcendent, maybe even ominous. Well, in 1739, the prolific hymn writer and leader of the Methodist movement, Charles Wesley, published a hymn many churches are still singing today. Fast forward to 1974, a vocal trio made up of two sisters and their brother calling themselves the second chapter of Acts recorded Annie Herring's The Easter Song. And more recently, the Irish husband and wife Keith and Kristen Getty, along with producer and songwriter Ed Cash, wrote this. safe to say, musical styles have changed through the years, and when it comes to celebrating Easter, different cultures do it in different ways. Barbara Rainey wants us to do all we can to keep Easter from becoming a near afterthought. Easter Sunday is April 4th this year, coming right up. What are you doing to build anticipation and prepare for Easter? Okay, shameless plug, there's some great resources available at everthinehome.com. These are ways to both decorate and build excitement for Easter, this, this holiday that marks the pinnacle of history, the foundation our faith rests on. Well, last time on Ever Thine Home, we heard the first part of a message Barbara gave a few years ago to couples on Family Life's Love Like You Mean It cruise. She talked about the period we call the Lenten season, or Lent, and how it can be useful to prepare our hearts for Easter. And then she gave some ideas on how to elevate the importance of Easter in our minds. Here's Barbara with part two of that message. My first suggestion is forget the bunnies and the chicks. They have absolutely nothing to do with Easter. And yet I've been watching for the last few years, and that's all there is in stores, That's what I see on people's front doors. It's what I see in their yards. It's what I see everywhere related to Easter. But they have absolutely nothing to do with Easter. 
Now, we Christians have found some really creative uses for eggs, and Family Life has Resurrection Eggs is a resource that we've created to help families or help churches communicate the gospel and the story of the resurrection to children. And so it's a dozen eggs, and each egg has a symbol of what happened in Jesus' life, and it points to the resurrection with the last egg being empty to illustrate the empty tomb. But I've also thought through how interesting it is that Paul said in the scripture, he said, when I was a child, I thought like a child, but when I became an adult, I put away childish things. Resurrection eggs are for kids and they're great for kids. But I'm not gonna decorate with bunnies and chicks anymore. I want my house to reflect the resurrection of Christ and what's true about him. I think part of the reason that we do focus on those things is because they're cute and they're um, easy and they're nice and there are some facts about the resurrection that are not particularly attractive and they're not easy to know what to do with. So my first suggestion is is to to get rid of those things that don't have anything to do with Christ and focus on Him. My second suggestion is don't dismiss the difficult. See, the resurrection is a real difficult concept, isn't it? It's all about blood. It's all about death. It's all about betrayal. It's really hard, isn't it, for us to understand that. And so I think we sometimes want to just kind of push that aside because we don't like it. It doesn't feel good. What's Christmas about? It's about a baby. It's about presents. It's about stars and it's about angels. Christmas is a feel-good holiday. Easter is not a feel-good holiday. But I think as believers, we've got to move into that, which is difficult. I don't think we should run away from it. Jesus told us to commemorate his death. He told us to commemorate his resurrection. So we need to move into that because he told us to do that. Much of what Jesus said is just plain confusing, right? One of the things that he said that I just can't quite get over, he said in John 12, 49, I do nothing on my own initiative. He said, I always do the things that are pleasing to the Father. Now think about that for a minute. Jesus said, I do nothing, nothing, nothing on my own initiative. Now, if you're anything like me, and you are, I do lots of things on my own initiative. I'm always making decisions that are good for me. I'm always thinking about what I want to do, where I want to go. I do a lot on my own initiative. But Jesus never did one single thing on his own initiative. And because he did nothing on his own initiative, he rejected any, any whispers that he heard in his ear from the enemy to walk away from the cross. He submitted his life to the evil plans of wicked priests who had schemes that they were trying to work. And he willingly shed his blood for you and for me. So I want to challenge you, don't dismiss the difficult. Walk into it, think about it, meditate on it, let your life go there. Because if you do, Easter Sunday is going to mean so much more to you if you will let yourself focus on the difficult and think about those really hard concepts that are all wrapped up in Easter. The third thing I want to challenge you to do is focus on the lamb. If you want a softer symbol for Easter, the lamb is it. And why is that? 
Because in the book of John, when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he called him what? The Lamb of God. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When you focus on the Lamb and you learn about what he did and you learn about Passover and you learn about the sacrifice that God required, then Easter Sunday is so much more meaningful because you understand why Jesus had to do what he had to do. And to think that he did this because he loved us, it's all the more stunning. It's all the more shocking. And so focus on the Lamb. Learn about the Lamb. Jesus said in Hebrews 10:5, he said, a body thou hast prepared for me. And the body Jesus had was destined from the very beginning to be slain for us because he was the Lamb of God. From the very beginning, Jesus was destined for sacrifice and he voluntarily gave his perfectly lived life on the cross for me and for you. Good Friday is good because of the Lamb. So I want to challenge you to focus on the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then number four, I want to challenge you to marvel at the miracle. Have you ever witnessed a miraculous event happen? Or have you been to a really amazing geographical place like the Grand Canyon or Niagara Falls or Victoria Falls, something that just takes your breath away? When you go to a place like that or you see something like that, we're often speechless. The first time you, I remember we took our kids to the Grand Canyon and we blindfolded them and we led them all up to the edge and took the blindfolds off and they all just, their jaws just dropped and they were speechless. They couldn't even say anything because it is, it's so amazing that we're at a loss for words. Jesus was speechless but he was not speechless because of wonder. He was speechless before his accusers because he was being obedient. And again, he did nothing on his own initiative. Every word he spoke in those hours was because the Father told him to. And I think that's worth marveling over. I want to read you something that John Piper says in his book. Um, It's called The Passion of Jesus Christ, and it's 50 chapters just two little short page chapters each about all the reasons why Jesus had to die. He said, the most astonishing thing is that evil and suffering were Christ's appointed way of victory over evil and suffering. Every act of treachery and brutality against Jesus was sinful and evil, but God was in it. The Bible says Jesus was delivered up to death according to the plan and foreknowledge of God. The lash on his back, the thorns on his head, the spit on his cheek, the bruises on his face, the nails in his hand, the desertion by the disciples, the betrayal of the friend and the scorn of the rulers, all designed by God to destroy the power of sin. Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, did whatever your hand and your plan had predetermined to take place. And that last verse is out of, out of Acts. And so when you think about what Jesus did for us, we should be speechless. We should be in awe. We should fall on our faces. And that's the kind of experience, that's the kind of emotion. That's what I think we need in Easter. It shouldn't be a holiday that we just kind of go, oh well. We need to feel some of what Jesus felt and we need to be in awe and we need to marvel over what he did for us. So how do you marvel at Easter? 
Do you prepare for days, creating an all-day celebration like none other all year long? Maybe. That might be a good idea. Or do you jump and cheer and even cry for joy, as so many of us do for our favorite sports teams? When was the last time you were in a group of people and you celebrated Christ's resurrection and everyone jumped and cheered and screamed and hollered and did like this, like we do for sports teams? I I watch these stadiums full of people who are just jumping and cheering and just screaming their lungs out. But what do we do in church? And it's okay, we don't all have to do that. But on Easter Sunday, on the day that Christ rose from the dead and rescued us, for us to sit there as if it's just any old other Sunday, I don't think so. I don't think so. Another question, do you dance with abandon like David did when the Ark of the Covenant was returned to Jerusalem? He was so exultant. He was so excited that God's presence was back, that he danced for joy. And again, I think that's a good example for us to consider as we think about Easter. How can we as parishioners, how can we as the people of the church, as believers in Christ, make Easter something that calls out that kind of celebration, that kind of worship, that kind of joy in us, so that the world says, well, wonder what's going on over there. Why are they so excited? I want to know. I want to challenge you to make a difference this year. Uh, I am praying regularly that God would grant us the favor and the ideas and the creativity and the stamina to come up with some really cool ideas for celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm praying that many of you will be a part of that, that many of you will think of some ideas, that many of you will will come up with something that your church can do. What can you do to celebrate all day on Resurrection Sunday? I believe that you can make a difference, and I believe that God wants to use you to make a difference in this holiday. I want to remind you of that verse. Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. And I want to challenge you to think about that in relation to your life, in relation to your church, in relation to Easter too. And I want to close with a little prayer um, that's in the back of this book by John Piper that I think is really appropriate. Father, I pray for us, I pray for all of us, that the fog of our indifference to eternal things would be lifted. I pray that the reality of heaven and hell would become clear to us. I pray that the centrality of Christ in the history of the world would become plain and that His passion, His sacrifice, His death would be seen as the most important event that ever happened. And I pray, Father, that you will grant me and many in this room ideas and creativity and motivation. Help us, Father, to elevate the celebration of Easter, the celebration of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection to a place that is worthy of what he did for us. And I ask this, that you might be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. 
We've been listening to Barbara Rainey with some helpful suggestions for ways to keep the importance of Easter in the forefront of our minds and in our families. In just a moment, we'll hear from Barbara's husband, Dennis. But I wanted to point you to the Easter-related resources available at everthinehome.com. As Barbara said, you're not going to find bunnies or chicks there, but you are going to find things like the new embossed metal cross that says Redeemer on it, or the Easter placemats, or the Worthy is the Lamb painting. These are just a few of the items available at everthinehome.com. Now, to close our podcast today, Barbara's husband, Dennis, takes us to God's Word. You know, if our listeners haven't read 1 Corinthians 15 recently, they need to go read it. It's a long chapter, but a great chapter, because it talks about one of the most incredible events in all of human history. It may be the most important event in all human history. It's where the the God-man, Jesus, went to a cross, died on that cross for our sins, bore the weight, the punishment of God the Father, and then was buried and three days later defeated death, came back alive, appeared to Peter and the disciples and to a number of people and then was transformed 40 days later to be seated at the right hand of God the Father. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, he talks about how if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, then he says, we're still in our sins. And he makes this statement. He says, if in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. If Christ didn't do that, we're doomed in our sins, but he did do it. He did live a perfect life. He did go to the cross. He did bear the, the penalty of our, of our wrongdoing, our, our law breaking before Almighty God. And then he died and was buried. And then on the third day, he defeated death and came back. And because he's alive, he offers eternal life to all. This podcast is a production of everthinehome.com.